Welcome to Lake Mount Worship Center, connecting you to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We hope that you are blessed and inspired by today's message. God loves hungry people. Jesus blessed the, the state of spiritual hunger. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And that means that hunger is attractive to God. Need is attractive to God. Our awareness of our need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and go with me, if you would, to 2 Kings chapter 4. And I want us just to take a few moments in God's Word together, and then we're going to respond in worship and in prayer and just make room for the Lord. 2 Kings chapter 4. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. Do you know that he revered the Lord? But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go round and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. So she went and told the man of God, and he said, Go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. This story, though maybe familiar to some of us, or if this morning is the first time you've taken time around this text, what we've just read and what's been painted in the picture of our mind is a miracle. A miracle of provision in a time of great need. And the the great need was not just financial, but it was need at a family level for breakthrough. The next generation was under threat because of a system of social justice that was warped and was damaging. Creditors, a, a, a legal system of how to go about uh, repaying debts that were outstanding. This man of God, though maybe a, a good prophet, was bad with money. And he left his family in debt. This woman now with two sons realizes that not only is she going to be a widow, but she's going to be essentially childless because she would not know where her sons would be taken to and they would be the possession of someone else. If that was a legal structure of of repayment of debt. And the threat that that made, if you can put yourself in that moment, if you could put yourself in her shoes, was something that was very heavy upon her heart. So the Bible tells us in verse 1 that she goes to Elisha. She comes to Elisha because why? Because she needed a word from God. Some problems don't have human solutions. But all problems have a God solution. And what we need to learn to get good at 
is not doing everything we can and then when we've exhausted all of our resources, ask God about it. But we need to go to God first and learn to have a cultivated dependence upon the Lord. This widow had a desperation in her heart that moved her to seek the Lord through the voice of the prophet. She came to him and, and, and presented this need to him. The Bible says in the book of James, let me actually quote it to you the way that it's most often quoted. The Bible says that we have not because we ask not. Now that's partially true. Here's what James also actually says. We have not because we ask not God. This isn't a principle of just seeing if you can get free appetizers at lunch. Hey, can I have my appetizers for free? Why'd you ask that? You have not because you ask not. That just might make you slick. That's not the promise of God's word. It's not just seeing what we can squeeze out of people. We have not because we ask not God. That means that there ought to be a foregone conclusion in our hearts and minds that God is intimately aware and interested in our needs, in the, in the lack that we're experiencing. God is intimately aware of your need. Jesus said that there isn't, it isn't possible. Think of this. It's not possible for a sparrow to fall to the ground without our Heavenly Father knowing about it. And then He said, but you're worth more to me than many sparrows. And He said, I tell you this, even the very hairs of your head are numbered. And for some of us, that's not too high of a count. Don't look around, that's not nice. But the implication is this. God is more intimately aware of you than even the most loving and doting of mothers who traces the lines on her baby's feet and hands. He's counted the very hairs of your head. There is an answer for your need. And it's found in the presence of God. And she came looking for a word from God might have been a little bit disconcerting. I think if I was her, it would have been disconcerting if I found myself in a desperate situation and I came to the prophet and present the need and the response was what Elisha said at first. What can I do for you? Oh, sorry. What can I do for you? What do you have in your house? What do you have? In your house, what is it that you already have a deposit of that God might be able to multiply to meet the need? What do you have? And her answer is an answer that is unfolding as she speaks. That's how I read it. She says, nothing. Well, except a little oil. She's like, nothing. And then she's doing an inventory. I have nothing except... Just a little oil. I have nothing. Wait, wait. I have a little oil. I don't know what she was thinking as she said that to him. If it was just kind of like nothing. Well, just a little oil. Or if it dawned on her, well, that's the only thing I have. But regardless, what she had, she presented 
to the Lord. See, God wants to multiply what we offer. Sometimes we're asking God to do everything. And what he's saying is, I want your participation. See, we're living in days where God's inviting us into the participation with his glory and with the participation of what he wants to release on the earth. God can do whatever he wants, however he wants, but his word reveals the way that he does things. And the way that he does things is he moves in the obedient response of hungry people. I just have a little oil. Now, I want you to understand that this story is, is not an allegory. It's not a parable. This actually happened. This woman actually was going to have her sons taken from her. She'd already lost her husband. She just had a little bit of oil. And she came to the prophet and he said, okay, here's what you're going to do. Now, this little bit of oil was literal oil. I don't want you to think that this is an allegory. But I do want you to understand that in the wisdom of God, there is also a prophetic picture in here regarding the oil to those who have the eyes to see. There's, a, there's a, the sound of a prophetic promise for those who have the ears to hear. Because throughout Scripture, and even as I was preaching last week about the ten bridesmaids and about the need for oil, oil is, is often throughout Scripture a type of the Holy Spirit. It's indicative of the presence and the work and the power of the Spirit of God. And so this, this woman says, I have a little oil. Somebody say a little oil. Verse 2, she said, I have a little oil. I want to say to you what the Apostle John said to the church in a challenging season in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, he said, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. The church in a challenging day with darkness all around, John the Apostle said, I want to remind you that you have oil. There might be Creditors, there might be systems of injustice that are, are, are knocking at your door. There might be threat to what God wants to do in your life and in your family and in your kids. There might be things that are warring against the very house of God. But I want to remind the believer and I want to remind the church, you have some oil in the house. You have an anointing. And you know the truth. You have what you need. Somebody say that. I have what I need. I have the oil. Or you can say that too. I have the oil. You're like, do I say that part? I always love it when a preacher gets to you repeat and then you're just like, are we still repeating or is it his turn? Okay. You got the spirit dwelling within you. You have the oil. She said, I have nothing but a little oil. And as we've already read this story, how many know nothing but a little oil was more than enough in the hands of God through the actions of faith? It was more than enough. What's better than a little oil? More oil. <laughs> What's better than a little oil? More oil. 
a lot of oil. And so the prophet gives her some instruction in verse 3. He says, go around to the neighbors and ask for a bunch of empty jars. And don't ask for just a few. Surround yourself with emptiness. Surround yourself with the awareness of your need. Surround yourself with vessels that might contain more than what you currently have. And that will do one of two things depending on your vantage point on your circumstance. It will either antagonize your sense of lack or it will stir the gift of faith. Get some empties and put them all around you. Tell your boys to go out and put them to work and knock on the neighbor's door and don't ask for just a few. Get as many jars, as many vessels as you can get into the house. Surround yourself with more need and more awareness of barrenness. Surround yourself with hunger. These are days to surround ourselves with hunger for more of the Spirit. For more oil in our lives. The question we need to interrogate ourselves with brutal honesty. Peggy was sharing with us this week that as we've been praying for the spirit of revival and praying that God would meet us, she felt in the time of prayer that God spoke to her and asked a question. What was the question, Peggy? Are you ready? Are you willing? And as Peggy shared that, she shared her own personal journey that resonated immediately with me. She said, if anyone else asked me that question, my answer would be, of course. Of course I'm ready. Of course I'm willing. But when God asks the question, see, God is never looking for information and He's never looking for a compliment. His questions are an interrogation of my heart. Are you ready? And are you willing? Well, what could that possibly mean? Of course I'm ready and willing. Of course I want more of God. But what does more of God mean but less of me? We spent the last number of weeks in a series called The Spirit of Revival looking at the assignment that was on John the Baptist as a forerunner calling God's people to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. That mission and assignment of calling God's people to repentance, changing the way they're thinking, changing the way that they're living, to make room for Jesus to come onto the scene. And we've been looking at that as the necessary assignment for us as a church in this time to make room and make way for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Last week, talking about the coming of Jesus, the return of Christ, but the outpouring of His Holy Spirit that precedes the return of the Lord because He's coming for a church that's not limping on the way out, addicted to sin and struggling and covered with blemish, but He's coming for a glorious church. He's coming for a church that transgressors have been taught the way of the Lord and have turned away from foolish things, from sin, yes, of course, from waywardness, yes, of course, from rebellion, yes, of course, but from apathy. From cheaper priority 
that without being interrogated, we make a priority for things that ought to have no priority in contrast to more oil. I'm in a hurry, pastor. I need to get home. For what? For what? Well, just to get there. And then what? I don't know. Watch a movie I've seen five times. But I just need to unwind. Are you ready? Are you willing? That's not a statement of guilt. That's an interrogation of heart. To say, will I bring vessels around me that indicate my great need for more of the oil of the Holy Spirit? My prayer this morning as I preach is that the Spirit of God would ride in on these words and begin to speak to every individual heart. Are you ready? Are you willing? Would you surround yourself with hunger? Desire. Because hunger and desire expresses itself in ways that calm, full satisfaction doesn't. Hunger moves us. John chapter 3, you don't have to go there, but this is the kind of the wrap up to the Spirit of Revival series when John the Baptist was the forerunner and preparing the way, was the first one whose eyes were opened to see that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He declared Him, baptized Him. Jesus received His anointing, went into the wilderness for 40 days, came out in the power of the Holy Spirit, launched into His public ministry. And in John chapter 3, there were people that were going over to follow after Jesus. And John's disciples got a little bit jealous. And they got a little bit concerned. And they came to John and they said, You know that guy that you, that you set up and you baptized him? And, and you, like, remember, like, you, you were really tearing it up there in the wilderness. And then this guy came along and you made that big declaration. Remember that guy? Jesus, is like, Yeah. People are going to Him by the thousands. And John said, He must increase and I must decrease. Oh, I, I thought we were supposed to make way. Yeah, we make way. And then what happens when He comes? We make way and then get out of the way. This woman in our text has great need and a little supply. And the prophet says to her, surround yourself with more need. Not to antagonize your lack, but to stir your faith and hunger for more. Not only did he tell her to surround herself with more need and more awareness of barrenness, but then he said, and it's the title of this message today, he said, shut the door. Shut the door. Get all the vessels you can. Surround yourself with emptiness and then refuse to leave. Get to where the oil is flowing and refuse to leave. 
Be in the presence of outpouring and make that your priority. Shut the door and have nowhere else to go, nothing else to do, but just be all about what God wants to release into your family and into your heart and into your openness, into your hunger, into the vessel. Shut the door. We've been talking this past couple of weeks, this day 11 of an outpouring at Asbury University. A chapel that broke out. Uh, the, the, the chapel, a bunch of students just responded to the word and then, and then began to linger and worship. And then soon everybody started joining in. And, and basically I, I, the whole school has just become this furnace of prayer and worship. Not services, non-stop worship and prayer for the last 11 days. That to me sounds like a group of young men and women who've shut the door. Just said, we want to be where the oil is flowing. Shut the door. This is where we belong. I refuse to leave. I refuse to move on. I, re I want to stay in the room where the oil is flowing. There's something about hunger for God that will beg of you. And as I preach this this morning, I can, I can sense the question emerging. Are you willing? And Are you ready? What if it changes my plans? What if making way for God then means that when He comes, He doesn't just fit where I tell Him, go in the corner, God, and come out and play when I say God, you just just come in and, and, and let's just have a nice encounter with you. But just like, could we just like make that kind of something that is somewhat tame and manageable? And then I'm just going to move on with the rest of my life. Am I willing and am I ready to say, God, would you overwhelm me with your presence and your power? There's a reason and a season to shut the door. And I believe this is one of those times where hunger begins to dictate my schedule and my time. Now, I wish as I was preaching to you, I was saying that as someone who had an abundance of freedom in my schedule and time. But I'm not preaching to you out of just, this is just easy. I'm saying, I feel the Lord knocking saying, are you willing? Are you ready? Will you make room? The question that this text begs is, how are we to maintain the flow? How can we maintain the flow of the Holy Spirit? Look at verse 6 again. Verse 5. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. There's not an empty jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Can you see that? Can you picture that? I picture this Flat, Middle Eastern house, one floor, 
filled with clay jars. Looked like vases. I picture this woman standing in her little kitchen with a little, little jar of oil and as she's tipping it over, it keeps flowing from a source that is not the jar, but it's a heavenly source. And I see her filling one jar and give me another one. Filling these jars up. And she's absolutely jammed into the kitchen and the boys are rearranging them. Hand me another one and they fill it and then take that one, put it over in the living room and hand me another one. There's not a jar left. As soon as there was no more room, that's when the flow stopped. How do we maintain the flow of the Holy Spirit? I think it's quite simple. We need to pour out in order to be filled. We need to pour out in order to be filled. Pour out what, Pastor Matt? Pour out what? We need to pour out our worship. We need to pour out our prayer. We need to pour out the gifts of the Spirit onto the needs of others. We need to pour out our witness. Jesus said to His disciples, freely you have received, freely give. See, as we pour out, we're making room for Him to pour in. And what's the point of that? That actually is the point. What God wants to pour into your life, what He wants to pour into this house, what He is pouring out in these days, isn't just so that we can be filled and satisfied, but it's so that we can be filled to be poured out, to be filled to be poured out, to be filled to be poured out, because the supply stopped when the satisfaction level was reached. So long as there's hunger, so long as there's room, so long as there is a vessel willing to say, God, if you'll fill me, I will pour it out. I don't, I, I don't know what to say to you, but the last couple of days as we've had these worship services, and Frank Satius came from Viva Church, ministered the word so beautifully. Times of worship together in response to the presence of the Lord. I'm not trying to manufacture anything. I'm trying to testify to you that the response out of the worship team can come out of the response, the response to the word. What happened was a flow of worship and prayer that was not driven and not pushed. It was just, it was like a flow. It was like just being poured out. And as we would get filled and then pour out that worship and pour out that love, we would get filled again and get filled again. Pour out, be filled, pour out. Be filled. Pour out and be filled. What do you have? I have a little oil. But that little oil with the touch of God on it could multiply that oil flowing in your life and in this church. That oil flowing is, listen, it's not just selfish. There is, like that prophetic word this morning, there's a ripple of what God wants to do from here into the community surrounding us. There are people that don't need an argument. They don't need just, just someone to re-articulate their belief. They need to taste and see that the Lord is good. They need an encounter with the living God. They need a testimony. Here's what happens 
the oil breaks the curse and it saves the next generation. That's what happened. See, the, the prophet didn't give her the, the next step. So she had a house filled with oil and then she went back. If you read it, she went back. She's like, okay, now what? Now I've got all this oil. Now what? He's like, sell it. Pay off your debts. Live off the rest. Oh, just like that? Like a, like a God solution could actually break the curse and change it from being not only in lack to actually finishing off the debts and then living off of the rest. Like this could actually flip the script for the next generation. See, I've got a burden for a generation that's never experienced the move of God's Spirit yet. Never tasted and seen of the encounter of God. I'm grateful for what God has been doing, what God is doing, but I'm telling you, I know there's more. How do I know there's more? Because a little oil filled all the jars that surrounded that woman in her house. See, the, what's flowing can flow more, but what we need is to get hungry. What we need is to surround ourselves with the awareness that God, our greatest need is more of you. God wants our time. He wants our hearts. He wants our attention. He wants our affection. Yes, He wants your Sunday morning. But when you say things like, Lord, I give you my life, Sunday morning is just a part of it. He really wants our whole lives. And I am confronted this week by the reality that God is asking, are you ready and are you willing? Will you make room? Will you allow me to crowd your house with oil? Will you receive and then pour out that the receiving and the pouring might become one fluid action? of an obedient child of God walking in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, being filled and pouring out, being filled and pouring out. I feel the invitation of God this morning to come and seek the face of the Lord. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information on who we are, visit our website at lakebount.ca or download our app for your mobile device.